0: Listener supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM 820 brings you Raising Saints an AM 820 production designed for parents who desire to raise the saints in their life. And now, Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt.
1: Hello and welcome back to Raising Saints, the show for Catholic parents. I'm your host Katie Wyatt and we are you are listening to AM 820 St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. We're joined today by three really wonderful teenagers. I feel really honored to have them here with me today because the topic we're talking about is something I know is near and dear to their hearts. So let me introduce to you McKenna. Welcome back, McKenna. Hello. And hello, Blair. Good to see you again. Nice
2: to be back. Thank Good you. Good
1: to see you again too, Mariel. Thank you for being here.
3: Hello. So Good we, to be
1: here. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys are all here. I'm glad. I know we're all super excited to talk about what it means to be a pro-life Catholic. Mm-hmm. Favorite thing. <laughs> um, so what does it mean to you? What does it mean to be a pro-life Catholic when somebody says that? What What do you, how do you describe yourself in that regard?
0: To be respectful of life through all stages, and I don't even feel like it has to be Catholic, just pro-life in general. Mm-hmm. is just respecting life from mo- moment of conception until natural death and not interfering with it to try to fix God's plan or anything.
2: Absolutely. I couldn't sum it up any better way. Uh, I would say the biggest tragedy is that people think that we're coming just from a religious perspective, which we are as faithful people, but it's a human issue. It's a love for our fellow man that was created by our creator. And so to recognize that, and it's an essential part of our faith and understanding especially understanding the sacrifice of Jesus' death, understanding the importance of life. And so having that understanding and showing that all stages of life is vital to our faith.
3: Anything you'd add to that, Mariel? Just to remember that Jesus and God is just so much bigger than we are, and he gives us the power of free will, but when we misuse our free will, it hurts us and everyone around us so our decisions decide for us what we're going to do and how we're going to live eternity so it's very important to use your free will like the right way and try your very best to 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 live like Jesus Jesus exemplified mm. for us
1: Well, that was beautifully stated. I was going to read what the catechism says. (laughs) I think I still will, but you guys all stated it so beautifully. But paragraph 2270 of our catechism says, Human life must be respected and protected absolutely from the moment of conception. From the first moment of existence, a human being must be recognized as having the rights of a person, among which is the inviolable right of every innocent being to life. Basically what you guys all just mm-hmm. said. Um your generation I think this is so exciting. Your generation has been called the most pro life generation of all time. Wow. Congratulations <laughs> Thank to you, you Thank guys. You very <laughs> <much>. <laughs> but knowing what you know about your peers and the world around you, do you agree with that? Do you see that?
2: I can't apply it obviously from different generations understanding it. But I would say even though we're the most pro life generation does not mean that as a society, we couldn't be more pro-life because mm-hmm. obviously we know that there is a big group of people that are so misled and misinformed about the pro-life issue. And they're taught all these buzzwords and political ideology to make them think that it's either a medical thing or it's a freedom thing when we're presenting it as a point of love. And so I think we will continue to be a more pro-life generation the more that we, as people on the pro life side, continue our message of love because it 's attractive it 's radiant, and I think also science is starting to catch up with what the t- church has been teaching for the last two thousand yeah, years what
1: are you going to do with those four d ultrasound images now right mm-hmm. <laughs> We saw um, we just all got back from the march for life, and did you all see the my favorite my favorite posters, my favorite images are when there 's a baby in a stroller with the big blown up picture of the ultrasound right above the baby saying, this was me six months ago or mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's just so undeniable. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, McKenna and Mariel? Do you, do you look around and look at your generation, look at your peers and say, yeah, we're super
0: pro-life. I would say that we have a lot of political opinions, but just from what I know of the peers at my school, I wouldn't say we're overwhelmingly pro-life or overwhelmingly pro-choice. There's definitely groups and niches of people who are pro-life. And if you hang out with the right people, it might seem like there's more pro-life. If you hang out with the other side, there's more pro-choice. I feel like there's a pretty even mix, but the pro-life people are really going for it and having a lot to say about it. So I feel like that's why it sounds like a lot of people are pro-life is because... We're so passionate about what we believe in that we will do anything to go and spread our word.
2: And the max capacity of this generation to become pro-life is so much higher than other generations. I think there was a fixed mindset in other generations of they were choosing, they were pro-choice, and there's nothing to be persuaded about. And I think our world is, our generation is very open to facts, very open to opinions and perspectives, hopefully, though sometimes it seems not the case. But our ability to reach more people in this generation, I think, is greater than it's been, which is why we're given that title.
1: You know, let me throw this into the conversation. By the way, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Raising Saints on AM 820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt. We're here with Mariel Blair and McKenna, and we're talking about what it means to be pro-life. I just commented that your generation has been called the most pro-life generation ever. I I think there are people who maybe are um, pro-abortion or pro-choice who would take um, offense to being called part of the pro-life generation. Mm-hmm. For sure. But those are probably the same th- people who are anti-death penalty, pro, you know, um, rights of, of all people, regardless of disabilities or regardless of race. Or reg- so I think what it means to be pro-life is probably terribly misunderstood,
0: Absolutely. I think people are just afraid of the label. I th- people just don't like labels put on them. Yeah. So if they can be pro this or pro that, then that's not, that's more of a label than, oh, I, I'm i pro choice, but I have these and these and these precautions. Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, I am pro life.
1: Well, let's, let's explore a little more deeply what it means to be pro life. I want to play a video clip. An audio clip. I could play a video clip, but you wouldn't be able to see it. So let's stick with audio. This is the former Archbishop um, of Milwaukee, Archbishop Donald Hying, talking about just defining pro-life. So let's listen to this.
4: The Catholic Church proclaims the dignity of life from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death, and so to offer support to a woman who finds herself in crisis pregnancy, to visit prisoners work at a soup kitchen, to stand up for uh, the life and dignity of people that live with disabilities, to be that person who acts out the gospel of life by looking at every single person in the world as someone made in the image and likeness of God, someone who loves and desires to be loved. Mother Teresa went to the darkest corners of the world and found people that society had rejected. The first person she picked up was a man in the gutter of Calcutta, abandoned by his family. Half eaten by rats, filled with worms and lice. She lovingly picked him up and took him to the hospital and held him until he died. His last question to her, his eyes filled with puzzlement, was, "'Why are you doing this?' Her answer was stunning and simple, "'Because I love you. Because I love Jesus.'" When we look at every person in the world, even the the tiniest, the most fragile, those who no longer can work, the unemployed, the disabled, the elderly, doesn't matter. Every single person has been made in the image and likeness of God and therefore all of life is sacred for us. We believe in the fifth commandment, thou shall not kill. God puts a limit to us taking another human life, but there's more to it than that. We can kill others through our indifference, through our prejudice, by remaining silent in the face of injustice, by neglecting the needs of those around us. So a positive way to reframe the commandments is to say, we are called to affirm, respect, and build up all life, that every person is made in the image and likeness of God, and therefore we venerate them, we love them. Everyone is my sister, my brother, made in the image and likeness of God, called to an eternal destiny of union with the Father.
1: So again, that was Archbishop Donald Hying, formerly of Milwaukee, talking about what it means to be pro-life. Um, so other than the March for Life, which was a great opportunity for solidarity, right? Great opportunity to stand up for the unborn. What, um, how do you take action, Mariel and Blair and McKenna, how do you take action to protect and defend the dignity of life? What are some other ways you do that?
0: I definitely feel like you can't put a label on, I feel like people put a label on pro-life that it's just for babies, but personally, I like to make like goodie bags or bags of food and like nut mix and trail mix and stuff for the homeless people that I see on the street because. They are still a person, and I don't think it's fair for us to go day by day wasting food and for them not to have any. So I feel like if I can give anything back to those, that'd be a big thing that I can do and I am doing. Another thing is um, at old age homes with my therapy dog, Pippa, I absolutely love going there, seeing the smiles I can put on their faces, and just showing me how much that God loves me. I can see it in their faces and it just gives me so much joy. Hmm. Pippa. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they love her. Yeah. Aww. It's an amazing experience. <laughs> what about you, Blair?
2: And so to go, that was awesome. Super um, awesome account. I do something much more humble, but I think it's awesome for me. It helps me just as much as helps. Uh, I play basketball with the kids at the Run the Race Center, the Brian Muhaw Foundation. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people think when you're doing pro-life, you need to be this social justice advocate and you're protesting and you're marching, which is great and very important. But just as much as we need to respect that life and we need to be social justice warriors in the courts and in the voting booths, we also need to spend time with the people that we say deserve and deserve life and need to be protected, the people that we say need to be protected. And so playing basketball with the kids there is just, just as much as they help. I help them. They help me.
1: And you bring up a good point, Blair, because a, a, a huge point of attack for people, um, if people want to attack those of us who claim to be pro-life, is you're not pro-life. You're just pro-birth mm-hmm. because what are you doing to help, you know, or how are you recognizing yeah. the dignity of people once they're in this world? Yeah. What, what about you, Mariel? What are some things you do to Uphold the dignity of every human being
3: for me. It's in the everyday the little circumstances like at dance if my friend is having a hard time or it's just Like dance can be very hard and it's easy to be critical of yourself because It has a lot to do with you and your body and how you like make your body do things and make shapes and it's very challenging so sometimes it can be easy to Um, discourage ourselves so i just like to be a mentor and just try my very best to bring my friends to help them out of their discouragement and just encourage and try to be a leader and then they will be inspired to be a leader when i go off to college to the younger kids Mm -hmm. when they're older
1: and you all bring up really good examples, because I think a lot of times people your age feel like you don't have a voice in this issue because
3: mm-hmm.
1: specifically because you aren't old enough to, to vote. vote, yeah, yeah <laughs> but but you're proof positive that you maybe have a stronger voice, <laughs> you know because mm-hmm. of your actions and because of what are you, what you're doing. Um, we don't have a ton of time left um but there is something that Blair you wanted to talk about that I think is a really important element of this conversation, and that is the idea of love, right. The concept of love has shifted dramatically over the decades mm-hmm. and especially 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 recently yes. right yes, so um I guess my question is, how is love defined or perceived now, and how has that impacted the message of the pro-life movement?
2: Well, the great problem is, is people have hijacked <clears throat> love from where it used to be a place of what it truly is, which is in the Bible and the accounts of Christ, to what it is now, the hallmark, the um, apathy that's encouraged. To If I love something, that means I need to encourage everything that person's doing. If I love someone, I support everything they're doing. That's not love. That's not true compassion either.
1: And love also means it feels good.
2: Yes, yeah. it feels good. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a temporal emotion, not an everlasting gift. And that's a great problem that we have is that people, how do you have an argument with someone about loving someone if you're not even arguing over the, def, the same definitions? You're not using the same definition.
1: So how does that impact what we stand for as people who call ourselves pro-life? How does that for example, euthanasia, perfect example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? What is the loving decision when someone wants to end their life? If we have dif- two different definitions of what it means exactly. to love, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, how, I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? How does the conversation change when we're not y- <laughs> we're using the same word to describe two different things?
2: You need to explain your perspective of why you think love is love is your goal, which is to get every single person you encounter to heaven. That's true love. That's really being your brother's keeper, your sister's keeper. And so you need to explain, you need to be steadfast in your faith of just because you think you're loving them temporarily does not mean you're doing them a service forever. And you're not staying as a perspective of I'm better, but you're saying I care enough to go out of my way to say I think this is the everlasting compassionate decision, not the temporal mm-hmm.
0: emotional decision. Mm-hmm. You have to be okay with being rejected for that instance to be eventually forgiven in the long run. Because at that moment, someone might not see where you're coming from if you're if you supposedly love them, and their definition is you do everything. Like Blair was saying, you do everything. You think everything that I'm doing is correct or just, but you have to be loving in the way, not critical, but encouraging and never going to give up, but you're always trying to make them a better person.
1: So what are the, I guess, kind of keeping, shifting a little bit, but keeping with this train of thought, what are, what do you see in the world around you as the greatest threats to dignity? I guess the greatest violations of of love, as they relate to people's dignity.
2: Well, I think since Roe v. Wade, 70 million brothers and sisters of Christ haven't been created because they've been barred from the womb, from the scar of abortion. But I think also it's, we have failing education, we have uh, a bad hunger problem, we have a war zone in certain inner cities, all of those things. Social media. Yeah, we have social media, we have... The suicide rate is skyrocketing in the United States and throughout the world. And so all those things are so terrible. And now uh, the same argument we've always been presenting about loving an unborn child is being flipped against us and mutilated and being used against us in euthanasia, saying that's loving. And so that's a new battle the church is fighting because that's not the truth. And so there's so many injustices and it gets daunting, but you have to be encouraged that every single person you encounter, if you respect and dignify their life, and they dignify and respect the next people's, you'll make a better society.
1: If you're just joining us, we are having a great conversation about what it means to be pro-life here on Raising Saints. We're talking to Mariel Blair and McKenna. Merrill. you were just about to say something.
3: Go ahead. Well, I was going to say <clears throat> that whenever you get the chance to um to teach your friends about sacrificial love because because if you are feeling like that you should die because there's no more hope you're going to die anyways there's a lot you might suffer and there's a lot it's really hard to decide but in the end there's a lot of grace that can come from suffering just a little bit longer or as long as God wants you to live there is so much sacri- there's so much sacrifice in that and Jesus went through that and because of his sacrifice and his sacrificial love he opened the gates of heaven
0: mm-hmm. so and to how put do you- an, oh sorry no
3: go ahead McKenna.
0: and to put an example on that i was reading something earlier today and it was talking about um that water was turned into wine. So what is like any, and Jesus came and died on the cross and the Eucharist. Like there's so many examples of amazing and outstanding love that why would you think that you can rule your decision of life when, the Creator gave it to you. He, he's going to give it to you, and He has a time and place to take it away. The time that you're thinking you might give yourself euthanasia is not the time that He might have in mind. Miracles always do happen.
1: Let me go back to this concept of suffering. And, McKenna, you're, you're kind of touching on it, too, like trusting. You know, trusting that our suffering is um, redemptive or filled with grace. But we live in a culture that doesn't want to suffer. No. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you... Mariel, you said teach your friends about the concept of sacrificial love. How do we do that? Like, do you guys have the language for that? Do you guys, have you tried that? Do you have success with that in a culture that doesn't want to sacrifice and doesn't want to suffer? How do you use that language in a way that's effective?
0: I feel like it's tough love sometimes. You have to always stand firm in your ground, but you have to see the other person's side and not give in just to make them feel better. Going back to the original point, you have to do something because you genuinely love somebody and you want the best for them to get them to heaven.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, our culture doesn't want to let people suffer, but we do so many things that make people suffer. Like the Terry Schiavo case, I think, is a great example of there was nothing more heinous than letting her die without... of dehydration and starvation even though they thought that they tried to persuade us to think that was a merciful thing there was so much suffering and ill needed suffering and not just suffering that some people go through when we think we're making a compassionate decision well when the populace thinks they're making a compassionate Mm -hmm. decision and so it's super hard especially as a young person that thank God I've never had the health problems or the emotional problems that people have to deal with that have to suffer through But to continue to be a light of help and support and let people know that our suffering, even if you can't directly relate to it, be a place of support for them. Ease the suffering, but see the grace in the suffering. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what a a joy to... um, allow our suffering to be a source of hope. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's going to suffer. We're going to suffer. That's what life is (laughs) suffering, Mm -hmm. but to be able to, so would you rather, I guess the point I always try to make is, okay, would you rather suffer with hope and suffer with purpose or would you rather just suffer
0: in misery? You know that we, we have a choice. I think that's where the euthanasia definitely comes in. Just suffering Because they don't see a hope. They don't see what could possibly happen. Mm -hmm. So they're just figuring, well, I'm suffering, don't want to, so let's just put an end to it. Versus, I'm suffering, I'm supposed to carry my cross until the moment I die. So let me see how much light I can shed on this world in my last, however long until God has it. Yeah,
2: and our our pastor this weekend brought up the life of St. Peter Claver, who's a great example of his mission and his work was doing was dealing with people who've been treated so heinously by society with people that have no hope that are in chains and in shackles the slaves coming from Africa. His goal was to give a little light of Christ to each person to give them the dignity and the respect so they can feel compassion and that they can feel that um, their life is not the end that they will be given even more love and affection by Christ because that's where love and affection comes from.
1: And we don't know all of their stories either. This is the mm-hmm. it's that butterfly af- effect, you know. Absolutely. We don't know uh, I I think that if we focused more on your Christ's purpose for your life, even if you don't know what it is, you know, like we've heard the example of the person who's in a veg- vegetative state mm-hmm. who some may think your life has no purpose, but the rhythmic breathing of that person helps soothe the person who is in the room yeah. with, you know, the patient in the or room. Or the
2: paycheck the nurse gets the, sends a kid to college.
1: Yes, because of the care that she can give to this person. Like, it's just like this, we have no idea what our life is worth to Christ, although we do know that it was worth dying for. Um, And we're so willing to just throw it away if it gets uncomfortable. So. Anything
3: that is worth doing takes work and time.
1: In in every aspect of life, right? Yeah. You all are athletes and students and you know, and you work hard on your faith and you you devote the time to it because it's worth it. Yeah. Do you think that youth can make a difference in the pro-life movement?
2: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Because you're around life all the time, so you need to protect and dignify it. And so... We are called to treat each person with respect and dignify them. We There's so many opportunities with the universal church to get out and really find the gifts that God gave you and to apply that to his children. And so I'm encouraged as a young person with how much I can do, not hindered at all.
0: For sure. The only limitation I feel like is the voting aspect, which, if you think about it, is not that big of a limitation because of the impact we can have on the other voters and how much our voice can actually speak to the masses.
1: And, and you you are in the unique position to change hearts. I mean, votes change when administrations change, but right. Yeah, change. But, but if hearts change permanently, mm-hmm. that that's what makes the impact. So I feel thrilled that the three of you are in this generation making a difference in the pro-life movement. So just thank you for your efforts. Thank you for being here today. Keep doing what you're doing. Let's close in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Precious Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for the gift of life. Lord, we ask that you help us uphold the dignity of life in every stage. And we ask this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
3: Amen. Amen.
1: You've been listening to Raising Saints on AM 820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt. And until next time, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bye now. Raising Saints is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM 820. Archives of Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt are available at stgabrielradio.com.